Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents The Big Five at Five, number five. Cool stuff going down over at the Thomas and Mac Candy as the Lady Rebels are tipping off in the semifinals of the Mountain West Conference Women's Tournament against Air Force. Air Force pulled off the upset yesterday of Reno. That was a good thing because Reno came in last week and put it on the Lady Rebels. Not many teams put it on the Lady Rebels. They've had an unbelievable season, and now it's time to get the job done, finish the mission, and win these next two games to get the auto bid. This is a historic game, and I don't like that word, but I have to use it for this particular game because on both sides, you have teams doing something that they potentially haven't done in a very long time. Did you know that this appearance in the semifinals of the Mountain West Tournament is the first time either Air Force men's or women's basketball has ever appeared in a semifinal? And that's what this Air Force team, which when I was doing the Lady Rebel broadcast, was the perennial doormat of the conference, has accomplished. On the other side, you have the Lady Rebels looking for their first appearance in the Mountain West title game in more than 12 years. Uh, That is remarkable, and they're in great position to do it. They handled this Air Force team during the season, and uh, Lindy LaRock has done quite a job in just two years. If they make the final, the game will go down tomorrow night in the evening after the three men's games. And I'm telling you, they deserve your support. UNLVTickets.com is where you get the tickets. And it's a really fun team to watch because they – are so deep, and they have so many good offensive players. They're a good defensive team as well, but uh, our buddy Adam Hill was on with us yesterday, and I don't think he'd seen a whole lot of Lady Rebel basketball, and uh, he was like, man, I really like that Kayla Kayla Rooks. Well, Kayla Rooks is a center who's a stretch, who likes to shoot threes, and, you know, is a good passer from the free throw line out. I was like, yeah, that's, that's, like, that is one of the good examples when you watch the Lady Rebels play. They have a lot of likable players. Number four. Just getting into the Big Five at five. A little delayed here at uh, Tom's Urban as we're uh, watching the Golden Knights come out in the second period, about 90 seconds in. They're down 2 nothing against the Flyers, who've won four games in 2022. Uh, after the first, Robin Leonard, two goals allowed, eight shots, so six saves. Hmm. Trade deadline's coming up here in, what, 13 days. Candy? You may have told me already, I apologize, but I wonder where you sit on the Robin Leonard goalie situation. Do they need to go out and get another number one for the playoff run? Uh, Willie and Hill say no. I say yes. Where are you and where are others on this? Here's what I need to know before I answer that question, and only one person knows the answer. Is Mark Stone coming back healthy for the playoffs? Because if Mark Stone's not coming back healthy for this team, then I don't think they go make the investment in the goaltender because I think if Mark Stone is not fully healthy, this team is not advancing out of the West. Now, if you're going to be whole, if you're Stone back by the time the playoffs come, then yes, you do. Because here's the reality on Robin Leonard. Right now, he is 40th in the NHL in save percentage. He is 49th in goals saved above average. He has been, by any measure you want, a below-average goaltender this year. Whether he's hurt or not, at this point, for a team that is as all-in as the Golden Knights, it doesn't matter. The, the matters is he's not getting the job done. 
And if you look around the league right now and you see what's being reported by some of the NHL reporters, specifically uh, at the Athletic I saw from some of their national guys, talking about how if there's going to be a move that they see for the Golden Knights, it's going to be a goalie because of Robin Leonard's struggles. And the two names that they threw out there are just as interesting as they could get for completely different reasons. They are the two goaltenders who faced off against each other in the Stanley Cup final in the first year of VGK's existence. Marc-Andre Fleury and Brayden Holtby, the capital Stanley Cup winning goaltender who's now in Dallas. So, Cofield, you ask me, VGK can't afford to see if Robin Leonard turns it around in the playoffs. They're all in for a reason. They've got to get something done. I'm not saying it has to be a number one, but it's got to be what Robin Leonard was to Marc-Andre Fleury when he came in a couple of years ago. Number three. Mock drafts every day, baby. Mock drafts every Mock every day. The NFL draft is some seven weeks away, but this is what's great about the National Football League. We talked earlier in the show about most of the big-name free agent wide receivers are all going to be retained via the franchise tag or extended deals around the NFL. Devontae Adams going to stay with the Packers. Mike Williams signed an extension, a bigger deal with the Chargers. Chris Godwin is going to stay with the Buccaneers. So the Raiders have a choice in trying to get a good running mate, I think a bigger target to go alongside Hunter Renfro and help out Darren Waller. They can go after a guy who's not really a burner, but a reliable receiver in Juju, who Candy smashed about four months ago, so we'll see how that ends up. We differ on uh, you know what Juju is worth. And then there's a draft. And then there's a draft. And we're seeing a lot of, air quote, experts. And some of these folks really do their homework. Doing the mock drafts, Candy, and you're seeing wide receiver mentioned a lot. What's the latest mock draft you saw that was a little bit titillating at wide receiver? Well, you got to talk pre-combine and post-combine, right? Because every pre-combine mock that we saw – focused in on Chris Olave or one of the sort of second-tier tackles. And you can't go wrong. The Raiders need both. But the most interesting one I saw today from Dane Brugler, who is usually one of the more plugged-in guys, adjusting to what we saw at the Combine, where Chris Olave ran pretty fast, not as fast as we originally thought, but still pretty good. Maybe he's not in range anymore for the Raiders. Maybe it's Drake London from USC, who Dane Brugler has mocked to them. And I don't like it for this reason. I don't want another guy who is someone like Brian Edwards who doesn't necessarily have the game-changing skill set who you're just hoping is someone who can be big, out-physical, moss at the catch point, etc., etc. Because what have we talked about with this Raiders team with the exception of a year and a half of Henry Ruggs since the John Gruden era began? They can't stretch the defense. They have nobody to go vertical. And... Unless you're counting on Zay Jones becoming that guy in some sort of permanence for the Raiders, then I think this team has to be looking at someone with some speed. If you're going to do it, then maybe you just take a chance on a burner in the second round and you go in the first round and improve the offensive line or the defensive line for that matter. But I don't think the Raiders can afford to take someone who they hope becomes their guy. And Drake London's a guy who fell a little bit after the combine. Number two. Big news of the day. Story one. 
was Aaron Rodgers. Going back to the Packers, the deal may be worth as much as $200 million, $153 million guaranteed. You know, Candy, if the Packers had read this right a couple of years ago and simply extended out Aaron Rodgers at a market rate and also didn't draft Jordan Love, it may not have cost him $200 million, 153 guaranteed. $153 million apparently is the price of ticking off an NFL quarterback of the caliber of Aaron Rodgers, Steve, because this never had to go like this. It never did. And the most amazing part of all of this, Steve, is that finally someone in the NFL who didn't hold all the cards won. Aaron Rodgers won. We talked about it all last offseason that Aaron Rodgers had no leverage at all, and he ended up having to crawl back to the Packers. And you and I sat here and talked about how clearly he had an out. Clearly, they negotiated a way for him to no longer be there. In fact, his former GM, Andrew Brandt, who's always all over Twitter talking about these things, thought the exact same thing. And now we found out that apparently the price of them convincing Aaron Rodgers not to retire is $153 million guaranteed. We always talk about these NFL contracts being funny money. Four years, two hundred million. Okay, right. But how much is guaranteed? A hundred and fifty-three million is guaranteed for a guy who'll be forty-two at the end of the contract. So, the Packers now have a first-round pick they spent on Jordan Love sitting there, rotting, and now they're paying Aaron Rodgers to be the highest-paid player in NFL history through age forty-two. This is not a masterclass in managing a front office. And you know, heroes don't always wear capes. Because when you think about it, we've had several gentlemen who were canceled, done. Their lives are over. Kyle Larson is the best driver in NASCAR. Morgan Wallen is the best country singer. We just found that out last night at Allegiant at the ACMs. And gosh darn it, Aaron Rodgers was canceled. He was done. His life was over. And now he's due $200 million. Good for you guys, American heroes. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570 4.3 to go. Furman by two. They haven't been to the NCAA tournament since 1980. Jean Baptiste racing into the front court. Down two for Chattanooga. He heaves it, and he got it. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, my. Not bad. Better than Jennifer Hudson. Too much? I did, not, I did not enjoy the, the When they tried to slip in Jennifer Hudson doing it, no. one shining moment, it did not work. Absolutely not. Luther Vandross rolling over in his grave. Yes. Terrible. At least Charles can admit it. And Teddy Pendergrass actually did the original, but Luther or Teddy, acceptable. Anyone else? Unless I hear it. Not acceptable. Good. We all good on that? 
100% agreed. Cofield and company in full effect. That was Chattanooga knocking off Furman. By the way, we're going to get to Ryan Harris, former Bronco, in less than three minutes. We're going straight to Amari. Furman loses on the bid. And the shame it was, and by the way, that call was really good. Westwood won. We played a call earlier from ESPN. That was Jason Benetti, who does a lot of TV. Uh, really good call there. The shame of it was that Furman actually came up really big in a tie game and got a layup with nine seconds left. It's funny, as I was watching the highlight, because I didn't watch the game live, I'm like, I don't, because I saw the final shot, and then I watched the entire thing, and I'm like, I don't even know how he got that that good a shot when the ball was going through the hoop at like nine, eight and a half seconds. The layup was amazing because yeah. that was a clean beat to the hole. And yep. I got to say, on the other side, the defense on that heave was not bad. They doubled him to the sideline, and he made a shot going against his body. It's just one of those that you have to look at and say, we were not supposed to win this game tonight. March Madness is here. End of one over at the Thomas and Mac. You and all the ladies are beating Air Force 16-12. to 12. Air Force off to a 5-17 of 17 start. A crazy day around Las Vegas because – all the stuff that happened with the quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay, and also Russell Wilson getting traded to the Broncos, I think has some Raider fans thinking like, wait, what's going on here now in the division? We've got guys on the show who have already been saying, tear this down, move on from Derek Carr. Candy puts his hand up. I'm not there. Let's not get all emotional. Let's not get all emotional. But the Raiders – could be the fourth best team in the division after, and Candy looks at me like, could be. Could, could be the be. best team in the division playoffs. after this trade, after making the playoffs a year ago. Ryan Harris is up with us here to break down the Broncos, and, and I would assume a crazy day of emotion for Broncos fans uh, early in the morning to then finding out that they got Russell Wilson. Pretty nuts. It was an insane hour, but... It was fun to hear. I mean, I was literally, we broke the news on my radio show, and, you know, we said, honk the horn if you're happy. And you could hear horns for all around the building just honking, and people were honking throughout the city. This fan base is reinvigorated. Only The only thing that compares to this is when they signed Peyton Manning in that big free agency as well. This is no doubt one of the three biggest days in Broncos history in the last 10 years. Peyton Manning signing Super Bowl 50, and today – trading for Russell Wilson. Honking horns. I like that. Um, just so you know, in households around Las Vegas, um, like mine, I live with a Chargers fan. My girlfriend's a big-time Chargers fan. I'm not. I'm a Jets fan, so I wasn't happy. Um, we were not honking any I mean, Actually, we might have been honking horns in anger. Uh, so <laughs> We're not happy to see Russell Wilson land in Denver. So tell me how you think this played out, because – the Wilson deal happened so soon after um, the Rodgers news comes out that George Payton must have had a, a plan or, I don't know, that he had previous conversations. I mean, this was, this was quick. Well, we had heard uh, about week five of the season this year that the Broncos were going to do everything they could to make a play for Russell Wilson. And that kind of died down, and then the Aaron Rodgers thing happened. But, you know, what I, what, what I believe from sources I've talked to the Broncos somehow figured out at the combine that Aaron Rodgers was likely staying, and that solidified, you know, where they were going to go in terms of going after Russell Wilson. 
And fans here love the move almost better than getting Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's no doubt you want a back-to-back MVP. But when you look at, you know, the age, Russell Wilson, 33, versus Aaron Rodgers, 38, and just the shenanigans, let's just call them shenanigans. Say what you want, but no sports fan likes distractions. And you couldn't get two better examples of quarterbacks doing the exact opposite thing to get what they want than Aaron Rodgers these last few weeks. Talk, I mean, how many times have you guys said, Stephen Adam, the word enema from Pancha Chakra, you know, therapies, or whatever he's doing. And then you got Russell uh-huh. Wilson, who the big news was that he took off, you know, the Seahawks from his Instagram. So, you know, a great negotiator in Aaron Rodgers. Clearly he never wanted to leave. And, you know, Russell Wilson showing that, you know, you know, walk quietly and carry a big stick, and he did that. Ryan, I like Shelby Harris as a player. Noah Fant has potential. We got a good long look at Drew Locke in the last couple of years. But my opinion is that's Russell Wilson on that side. And the Denver Broncos, even though it looks like a lot of long text on a sheet, the Denver Broncos did great in this deal. Because especially that pick that they have this year, it wasn't going to be a quarterback. Not not one who's going to be drafted appropriately at the very least because this is not a great right. quarterback class. I feel like the Broncos made a great deal in terms of the value of what they gave up. Well, and the, the rest, this is a copycat league, the NFL. And, and when the Rams say bleep those picks and win a Super Bowl, you know, I mean, other teams take notice. And what would you rather have, a project for four or five years that you hope turns into Josh Allen? Or you get a bona fide winner who, who had his first losing season of his career, the only rookie to win a Super Bowl in NFL history. And, oh, by the way, Russell Wilson was injured last year. So, I mean, I, I, there's no question you get a bona fide starter with an unparalleled work ethic, unparalleled football mind. Um, and, it's, and, and they also got rid of, you know, two of the players. I'm with you. Shelby Harris is a fantastic player. And, and I think that was as much about freeing up some salary cap space to go after some pieces here in free agency. But so Shelby Harris is a bona fide starter, but Noah Fant has unlimited talent, and the front office just didn't like his attitude. And Drew Locke wouldn't listen to the coaches, the coaching he was getting, until it was too late for him. And the narrative for him is just going to be: Can he decide to be a pro? Will he decide to be a pro? Do the little things that he never really had to do when he was a man in college and coming in. Ryan Harris, former Bronco, a radio star in Denver, also a voice of Notre Dame football. Uh, on the Seattle side, I mean, just get the brass tacks. Did Seattle get hosed on this deal? Anytime you trade a franchise quarterback, you got to wonder what that franchise is doing. You know, it's just clearly something had happened. There was a breakdown, and the little patchwork that Pete Carroll said had happened last year didn't happen. Um, and perhaps they were just tired of, of kind of being in limbo, knowing that their star quarterback didn't want to be there if they weren't going to commit to winning. So, it's a strange thing to try and get into where the Seahawks are. They do have one of the young, brilliant my, offensive minds and Shane Waldron running that offense, um, but they are very much in a rebuild now. And with the oldest coach in the NFL, you know it's going to be tough to see what the future in Seattle looks like. But that's an organization that continues to rebuild itself. I mean, the Stephen Alexander, Matt Hasselbeck era was vastly different than you know the the Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson era. So this is a franchise that knows how to build back and build better, and I anticipate they'll do that again. Well, you're right. They've had success in rebuilding. Uh, I will say recently their drafts have been terrible. Uh, you know, Metcalf obviously was a good draft pick, but their first-rounders have been really weird, and I I don't want to sound like an ageist, but you just mentioned his age. That, I mean, they, did they just choose their 70-year-old coach over a franchise quarterback? 
Well, I mean, when you start getting to where Pete Carroll has been, you won a Super Bowl, you know, had success his first time around with the Patriots uh, as an assistant, you know, had success in college. I mean, guys like Pete Carroll, they want control of the roster. They want control of decision-making, operational moves. And at a certain point, you look at it if you're a billionaire owner and you say, I can either hire five people if I fire Pete Carroll, and there's still no guarantee that Russell Wilson's going to be happy, or we can trade Russell Wilson and get picks to build with the future with people I trust. So I think at the end of the day, that's what the owners of the Seahawks looked at and looked at their ability to rebuild and felt confident that could take them there. So, Ryan, we already had a fire that, that was uh, pretty strong here about Derek Carr. You know, stick with him, move on. Uh, Russell Wilson landing in Denver just throws gasoline all over the fire. Where are you on this one? Because uh, you don't want to, you know, you, you played the game. So, you, you know, when, when sports talkers and fans are like, they have no chance to win in this division now. Like, that's, that's not exactly the case. But what would you do if you're the Raiders? For some reason, Derek Carr is the most underappreciated quarterback that I can remember in the NFL. Uh, for, for the life of me, I have no idea why people do not understand you have a top-10 quarterback who's literally, who literally, especially this last season, did the impossible. Not just saying he'd support his teammate who's currently in prison, but also take, carry the team after your head coach gets fired. Handle another player getting a a driving under the influence that turned out not to be. I mean, you talk, you talk about a leader and a performer. He took you to the he took you to the playoffs. Yeah, you lost the eventual AFC champions, but for my for the life of me, I cannot understand why people do not under, appreciate the quality and top tier quarterback of Derek Carr. You can win a championship with Derek Carr. Now, what's around him? You know, you had Henry Ruggs, and now you don't. You know, and then you have you got to make a decision about Hunter Renfro, who, oh, by the way, at the Pro Bowl was rated the number one underrated player in the NFL by Pro Bowlers, right? So you've got the pieces there. You know, I've had my history with Josh McDaniels. I'll, I'll believe him now when he says he's changed. I'm looking forward to seeing it for those players' sakes. I hope he's, I hope he's changed. Um, but you can win a championship with Derek Carr, and I don't know why people do not realize that. What did McDaniels need to change? Not being a bleephole. I mean, this guy was awful every single day, inconsistent. And and one example, the first install we had on OTAs, which is in June, he was saying, hey, this is a 3-4 front, guys. And it was just an under, four-down front. And so one player raised his hand and says, coach, that's a four-down front. No, it's not. All right, man. So you're going to tell us who's on the field that we don't understand a defensive front because you play with you coach Tom Brady? And so those kinds of the, the, the leaders and coaches in the NFL who refuse to listen to players, who refuse to build relationships with the players as a human being, those are the coaches that get fired. And, and that's what happened in Denver. No question that Josh McDaniels had tremendous success with Tom Brady. You know, it's mixed success with Mac Jones. Um, but I really hope that, that, um, J- that Josh McDaniels learns that a head coach has tremendous power to impact lives and to build strong men, husbands, fathers, and if you if you are derelict in those duties, you will be fired. Ryan Harris is with us, the former Bronco, breaking down uh, all the goings on in the AFC West as Denver now has Russell Wilson. So back to Carr for a second. I'll throw this at you. Uh, and I know you just mentioned a, you know character is a big part of why you like Derek Carr, along with performance. If I look at what Seattle just got for Russell Wilson, and I'm thinking, you know what, the Raiders could get a pretty decent haul for Derek Carr. And then flip that 
with other picks to get the younger Deshaun Watson. Am I crazy? I mean, if you can get Deshaun Watson, provided he's cleared of criminal charges, I don't think any quarterback outside of, you know, Cincinnati, Kansas City, I mean, I think, you know, Denver now, I mean, you're talking about five teams that maybe wouldn't go after Deshaun Watson. He is a clear upgrade, uh, provided, again, that he, was, he faces no criminal charges. Uh, he's a clear upgrade, and, and yes, if I'm, a, if I'm a GM for Oakland, that's the only deal that I would make to, to replace Derek Carr. Um, and and ter- that would be terrible for Derek Carr to go to the, the haunted halls of, of, of Reliant Stadium in Houston where his brother you know, got sacked more than any quarterback in history. So, uh, But it, that would be the only move because of the young age and because Deshaun Watson's also healthy. I mean, we saw with Micah Parsons this year, who took a year off before the draft, what it does to a quality player who takes a year to get rest and refine their skill. And Deshaun Watson's had that, so I expect some of the best production we've ever seen from him, provided he does not face criminal charges and, and ends up playing this year in the NFL. And let me clarify the, the front end of that, which is trade Derek Carr. What I meant there was trade him to quarterback-hungry markets, maybe the Steelers, maybe the Titans, maybe the Colts, maybe the Giants. Um, I, I This is going to sound ridiculous because maybe this isn't the way the NFL works. Like, I wouldn't stick it to Derek Carr and trade him to the Texans, but I Ryan, I do think there's a market out there with, you know, like the Steelers are a team of now. They need a freaking quarterback. Absolutely. But the issue with the Steelers and every other team, you know, Derek Carr has not won a Super Bowl. And that's what's different about trading a Super Bowl franchise, Super Bowl champion franchise quarterback and trading, you know, Derek Carr, who people already, when Josh McDaniels was named a head coach, thought that Derek Carr was going to be available. And, yes, if you go to the Steelers, I mean, that's a great pickup for the Steelers. I think the Steelers could also look at Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, You're right to mention the Colts. Carson Wentz, something happened to him in Philadelphia he hasn't fixed, and that's from the neck up. Um, But you're not going to get two firsts. uh, Two firsts, I think it was a second, a third, and a fifth, plus three players. That's, That's a pipe dream for Derek Carr, simply because he hasn't won a Super Bowl in the NFL. I want to circle back for just a second, Ryan. If if Mark Davis had called you while he was doing his head coaching search, what would you have said about Josh McDaniels? I mean, you already told us what he was when you know when he was there as a coach. But if Mark Davis had said to you, you know, I hear he's changed. Like, what would you have said in response? I'd say the only successful quarterback from the from the Belichick coaching the only successful coach from the Belichick coaching tree is in Tennessee, who, oh, by the way, has the greatest running back of the last 30 years. Um, and to take note of that, I mean, how many, where's Bill O'Brien? They want to, you know, where's, I mean, Brian Flores was un, unfortunate what happened to him in Miami. We'll see the reasons for that. I couldn't believe that one. But you look at Belichick's coaching tree, no one has had success outside of his former linebacker who's down there in Tennessee who has Derek you know, Derrick Henry, uh, who, by the way, still finished eighth in the NFL in total rushing yards, even though he didn't play since week eight. So I would be, that's what I would have told Mark Davis. Uh, I wasn't in the interviews. And again, I really do hope Josh McDaniels uh, has, has changed, has learned to connect with his players, and has learned that even as a coach, you don't have all the answers when it comes to the, the experts who are on the field. Well, I'm stoked to see what happens in the AFC West. You're in an AFC West. City, you played for the Broncos. I mean, this is today was cool for the NFL and cool for the division. Absolutely, and it makes the it, it highlights the AFC West. No yep. question. Again, the AFC West is going to have the most primetime games. 
the, the most fun games to watch. Everybody remembers the Chiefs Chargers on Thursday night. You know the gazillion scores. I mean, this just this division got better if it was even possible, um, and it's going to be fun to watch. And this is going to be a division where you know you might host a game. You know, being a division champion at at ten and seven, right? Because of how competitive the AFC West is. But uh, to me, the, the the road to the Super Bowl is going to go through the AFC West or Buffalo, and that's it. I mean, those four between those five teams, that's where that's where the AFC Championship is going to have to go through. Ryan, you're awesome. Thank you. We appreciate it. Steven Adam, appreciate it. Go Irish. Peace. There he is, the former Notre Dame offensive lineman, former NFL offensive lineman, now on radio in Denver. Wow. There was a lot in that. <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot there. Let's catch up on some breaks here. We'll react. McDaniel stuff. Um, I think the car... The car talk went all over the place, so we got to re-examine that as well. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. And are you meeting with Roger Goodell at all about, you know, that ownership with the whole Broncos and all that? Yeah, tell Roger to call me. We're working on it. Because you, you and Kanye are real serious about NFL ownership, huh? No, we are extremely serious about it. We're working towards it to get it done, man. Thank you. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at Tom's Watch Bar. Fans down here enjoying the games. We were just talking about the uh, sort of dominance by teams that are not in traditional markets in the NHL with one of the uh, people hanging out down here at Tom's Urban. It is kind of crazy. The Florida guys, he was talking about the Lightning and was saying, hey, he's a big Vegas fan as well. Saying there's a little connection between Vegas and Florida. So right now... 2-1, just a couple seconds left. The Flyers lead. Again, the Knights need to win this game. Come on now. Can't lose to the Flyers. Flyers have been abhorrent for all of 2022. This is not good. Not good. All right, let's react to Ryan Harris and some of the stuff he said uh, in our discussion. Ryan played for the Broncos, played around the NFL, voice of the Notre Dame football program as well. Did you get where I was going with Derek Carr? Because I've gone down this path about 50 times. And I think Ryan misunderstood because, one, he made a big pitch that you'd never want to get rid of Derek Carr or you really wouldn't want to get rid of Carr because he's very underrated. He's a top-ten quarterback. And the Raiders are in good shape with him leading the way. And then I proposed, well, flipping him for picks – Maybe not a Russell Wilson package because there's all this quarterback hunger around the league. And then his response to that was, well, he's not worth as much as Russell Wilson. I wasn't saying he's worth worth that much, but if you get a package of picks back for Derek Carr and then you can add your own picks and flip it for Deshaun Watson, you're upgrading, you're getting younger. Does that make sense? The absolute worst thing that the Raiders could do, Steve is convinced themselves that that playoff run last year, short as it was, means anything at all. Because it didn't. If you just accept the realities that are in front of you, what you just described of getting a pick haul for Derek Carr and then doing something with those picks, whether it's Deshaun Watson now or whether it's stopgapping for a year and going back into the draft next year, going into free agency next year, 
that's the path the Raiders need to go. It's not a matter of how good Derek Carr is. I am repeatedly, you want to talk about 50 times? I am 500 times on the record saying you can win with Derek Carr. But the biggest problem is this. He is the fourth best quarterback in this division with the fourth best supporting cast in this division. Patrick Mahomes ain't going anywhere. Justin Herbert might still get better. And we know exactly who Russell Wilson is. Don't be fooled by the season-long numbers last year on Russell Wilson. Week 16 to 18, when he got healthy, his PFF grade was exactly where it has been for the last four years. So you have the fourth-best quarterback in the division, even if he is a top-10 quarterback, as Ryan Harris is saying. So can you win? I don't think you can. Because, Steve, tell me if I'm wrong about this. The Raiders, right now, if we put up lines for every division game next year, as of right now, the Raiders will be a clear dog in all six division games. I could see him being inside of a three-point favorite, you know, minus one, maybe, against the Chargers and Broncos at home, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I'm Because maybe. right now, right yeah. now, that's the reality of where this roster is. Let, let's go, just go piece by piece. It is by far the fourth best offensive line in the division, right? It is probably the third or fourth best secondary in the division, depending on whether or not Casey Hayward comes back. If Casey Hayward isn't back, it is the fourth best secondary in the division by a long shot. Let's look at receiver groups. I'll take Hill and Kelsey over just about anything in the NFL. And then you just talked about the Broncos weapons. I love Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and I think Albert O can step up and have a big season for them. And the Chargers have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams that they start with. They have the fourth best receiver group in the division because it's Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, which is good. But again, fourth best compared to everyone else. So you can't compete in this division. You have to accept the reality that if you don't have a truly elite quarterback to build around at a reasonable price, and after this year, you won't have Derek Carr at a reasonable price anymore if you keep him. You're going to have him at 30 to $40 million. You've got to reset the cap entirely. Go get a quarterback that you can have on a contract like Justin Herbert and then try to compete in this division. Man, what a day. What a day. Russell Wilson comes to the division after Aaron Rodgers wasn't coming to the division. Great job by George Payton. Great job by the Broncos being ready to make a bold move. And now the question is, are Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels thinking, hey, an upgrade is necessary at quarterback? Are they ready to make a bold move? I don't know. We don't know enough about them yet, right? We just don't. How they operate, what Ziegler's thinking. Because then there's the flip side of it. They could look at it the way you're looking at it and going, you know what? We got a target three years from now. We need to get a bridge quarterback, eventually get a cheaper quarterback in a draft in the future, or maybe this year if you like a quarterback. So lots of brainstorming and thinking to do from the Raiders brass. Get on down here. Tom's Urban inside New York, New York Hotel and Casino. You can try their signature cocktail. It's the Red Bull Party Starter. 